And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. The Wall Street Journal with an interesting article about the asymmetrical nature of modern warfare, um, just in general, and particularly around the Ukrainians. The Times of London reported that Ukraine is using $2,000 commercial octocopter drones that you can buy from, you know, Best Buy, places like that sell these. They modify them with thermal imagers and anti-tank grenades to find and attack Russian tanks hiding between homes and villages at night. Ukraine has got, and I can't pronounce this word, an aerial reconnaissance team that has 50 squads, 50 squads of drone pilots who all they need is a solid Internet connection to operate these drones. And so Russia thinks they can hide their tanks in the dark between buildings and the Ukrainians fly these drones around with the thermal imaging, can find them and blow them up. That's why there are hundreds of dead Russian tanks spread around the country. Wow. When the Internet was cut off back in the Syrian war in 2013, enterprising techies there that were part of the insurgency set up point-to-point Wi-Fi connections to bring Internet across the border from Turkey. They did this with Pringles potato chip cans and $50 off-the-shelf Wi-Fi routers. Wow. Uh, To give you an idea of what can be done, Ukrainians were spared this ad hoc setup because Elon Musk flew in his Starlink system and has donated thousands of satellites to uh, to try to keep their their internet going and their I access. I don't suppose they explain exactly what role the Pringles cans played, do they? And not in detail, no. I'm sure you can find that online. I mean, I assume so that you could talk through them like this to your friends. Or maybe just a delicious snack while you're working on the project. <laughs> Ukraine also has effectively jammed Russia's long-in-the-tooth wireless military communication technology, which apparently uses a single-frequency channel to operate. Man, that's old school. That's like 1930s old school. Former CIA director David Petraeus told CNN that Russians were then forced to use cell phones to communicate to communicate until Ukraine then blocked the plus seven country code for Russia so they couldn't make phone calls anymore in the country. I mean, this is, you know, some low-tech stuff. And eventually took down... I'm sorry, your call cannot be completed. Please try again. Oh, crapski! <laughs> And eventually took down the 3G services that Russia was using for secure connections. Russian soldiers were forced to steal Ukrainian cell phones to communicate with one another, which, as it says in the Wall Street Journal, is no way to fight a war. (laughs) Wow. You know, petty theft. Ukraine has also taken advantage of crowdsourcing. The journal told the story of Russian tanks that would fire on one city and then back up to avoid return fire. Civilians and territorial defense volunteers would then message the tanks new coordinates via social messaging apps so that Ukraine could attack them with their various anti-tank weapons. Wow, wow, wow. So every citizen is a scout equipped with uh, GPS uh, locators. Right. Ukraine has been using facial recognition technology. I don't know how they got this or how they're spreading it around, but to identify killed and captured Russian soldiers, even contacting their families and posting their photos in Telegram channels, which is a, um, a messaging app. Um, Twitter is now using a service to disguise its origin and restore service to Russian users. So when Russia tricks down Twitter, they come up with a way to hide w- what they are and where they're coming from to get it back up and running. Uh, most surprisingly, it says here in the Wall Street Journal, after much hype and many warnings, Russian cyber warfare has been deemed fairly ineffective. Hours before the invasion, someone, presumably the Russians, launched a 
Trojan attack disk wiping malware that hit Ukrainian government and financial system computers and took down Parliament's website. Disk wiping like with a cloth. Good one. Um, a cyber attack um, 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 outfit that you know works on defense of this sort of stuff called the attack modest. A Ukrainian newspaper then released a file with details on 120,000 Russian soldiers, including their names, addresses, phone numbers, and passport numbers that they had gathered from the attack somehow. Um, where the information came from or how it was gathered is not exactly known, but they immediately unleashed all these Russian soldiers' personal information to Ukrainians and Russians in an attempt just to, I don't know, damage them, frighten them, or whatever. And here's one more thing that I thought was interesting. Ukraine is filled with smart coders, and the government has said that's coders, people who code. Um, and the government is, has set up an IT Army of Ukraine channel to coordinate digital attacks on Russian military digital systems. As many as 400,000 Ukrainians have volunteered so far. An officer of the Ukraine State Service of Special Communications said they were in, engaged in cyber resistance. This digital flash mob has taken down Russian websites, though uh, we will never know the the, 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 the the amount of damage until the war is over. But uh, Wall Street Journal calls it high. So they have a very, very strong and robust cyber defense program that is volunteer. And they had a lot of good people there, and they're all working for the government now. That, that's interesting stuff. The ability of regular people to mobilize now and, 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 and fight off modern attacks, it's, it's something. Right, especially if you're enduring the, uh, the utter nightmare that America hasn't for hundreds of years of being attacked on your homeland, of having your homeland overrun. And then you see the true resourcefulness and energy of your people. Uh, rise to the surface. Although I'm, I'm reminded in, in taking a look and thinking about modern warfare of some quotes I saved from the Hundred Year Marathon, which is Michael Pillsbury's fabulous book about China and the way China looks at warfare in the 21st century. And I think we need to get hip to it. Um, America saw conflict only through the lens of military means instead of the broader and strategic picture encouraged by ancient Chinese thinkers such as Sun Tzu, which emphasized intelligence, economics, law. I'll skip ahead. The battlefield is next to you and the enemy is on the network and there is no smell of gunpowder powder or the odor of blood. Obviously, warfare is in the process of transcending the domains of soldiers, military units and military affairs. And it is increasingly a matter of for politicians, for scientists even bankers hmm. so that is modern warfare and and every citizen who wants to help is a soldier yes michael i'm just shocked how inept uh russia's military communications is in 2022 yeah i think uh putin is uh, shocked also but it gets to the whole communist system where people steal so you know there's probably money that was uh, scheduled to modernize for instance, their cyber stuff, but it was stolen by people who steal in the communist system, and everybody lies to those above them. And... Right, and I understand they're not running a communist system now, but they come from a communist system, and a lot of it's intact. A lot of the uh, patterns of influence and power are intact from the Soviet days. So, yeah. And now, he. Armstrong and Getty. Um, I want to talk to you about this uh, idea of a coming global famine 
Tim Sandifer sent us this article over the weekend, and I, I read it with great interest and came out of it thinking, well, holy crap, this is all we need. I'll give you the short version. And, and you know, honestly, as I was reading it, every single thing I read, I think, okay, can we use this for the show? How do we pre- present this on the, the show? Um, I got to the end of this and thought, I'm not sure I want to bring people down. But, you know, upon further reflection, I thought, you know, better off being informed than than go into this blindly. I'll, I'll read you a couple quotes, then kind of summarize it for you. Um, the tempest caused by the European energy disaster has merged with the hurricane of consequences flowing from Russia's invasion of Ukraine, forming the genesis of a generational crisis in food that will leave few unaffected. unaffected. While we've been warning about just such a scenario for some time, after spending the past two weeks traveling across the U.S. Midwest and conferring with our contacts in the agricultural sector, even we are a little spooked by what we've learned. In a financial crash, the correlation between all asset classes converges to one. The coming crash in global food supply will be driven by a similar phenomenon across virtually every input into farming. They are all spiking to historic highs simultaneously. Supply availability is diminishing across the spectrum, and the time to reverse the worst of the upcoming consequences is rapidly running short. Man, Other is this, than that, things are great, they say. Man, is this flying under the radar. I don't hear anybody talking about this. So what, what, do, what do various countries need to do to avert a global food shortage? And I don't understand how that works. Of course, I would have never believed that you could have, you know, had a used Camry sell for $60,000 because there's such a shortage of cars. I never thought that could happen. Right, right. Well, to, to answer your question, and I think their last sentence was the one that, that counts, it's the time to reverse the worst of the upcoming consequences is rapidly running short. Um, and as long as you answer the question, it could be there will need to be a massive, massive um, uh, redistribution of income toward farms. Here's why. We begin with the price of fertilizer, which has been soaring to record highs across the globe. Key sources of nitrogen, potassium, and phosphorus, which are all critical, have all gone vertical. Ammonia is derived directly from natural gas, and the price of natural gas outside of the U.S. has gone vertical. So the price of pneumonia, uh, I'm sorry, not pneumonia. (laughs) The price of pneumonia is you cough a lot and sometimes go to the hospital. Uh, The price of ammonia has tripled over the past 12 months. Belarus, third largest supplier of potash in the world, uh, etc. Sanctions have cut off that supply. Number two supplier, Russia. Uh, And China halted all phosphate exports last fall in in an effort to ensure adequate domestic supply. Long story short, fertilizer supplies skyrocketing. Weed control, an important element of farming. They go into various chemicals and how they're derived and and where you can get them and the rest of it. Um, And there is a giant shortage of glyphosate, which is in Roundup. Uh, but never mind the controversies over Roundup. It's still widely used. Uh, here are uh, Here's a couple of quotes from an article in The Western Producer, which is a farming magazine. The much-ballyhooed glyphosate shortage is just the first domino to fall, according to a leading crop protection company. Um, you know, this is getting long. Skyrocketing herbicide prices. Diesel, huge input to farming. Global supply crunch, skyrocketing prices for diesel fuel. Um, and once again, we discover the vital role natural gas plays in many downstream verticals, which is a technical term, uh, drying grains. Much of the country depends on uh, 
da, 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 what did I just say? I've got this list in front of me, and I lost my place. Uh, natural gas and, uh, and propane. Propane and natural gas prices are both skyrocketing, and a huge amount of uh, propane is used to dry grains across America. Uh, even generally assuming farmers can cobble together enough fertilizer, herbicide, machinery, and labor to produce a good harvest this fall. Oh, that's the other thing they touch on. A critical labor shortage in agriculture. They may be left to deal with yet another mm. crisis of supply that few have on their radar. That's propane, and they go into the millions and millions of gallons used in propane, the skyrocketing prices of that. Uh, let me skip to the end here. Um so I'm guessing even if if we, with our mighty economic might, can figure out a way to deal with the food shortage, a lot of the world would not be able to. Right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely not. So to summarize, uh, we believe we are at the onset of a global famine of historic proportions. Wow. That's a heck of a that's a heck of a sentence. Yeah, I'd say. Uh, in a staggering defiance of logic, many U.S. politicians are still attacking the lifeblood of our own energy production infrastructure, looking to score political points against, quote, the other team, blaming price-taking producers of global commodities for gouging, threatening producers of energy with windfall profits taxes, resisting calls to remove bureaucratic hurdles to new production, and refusing to open an introductory physics textbook to help guide them through the suite of policy choices that require true leadership to get right. They remain stuck in an endless loop of platitudes, blamestorming, corruption, and ignorance. Well, that's true. And, uh, we pride ourselves in seeing patterns early and being months ahead of the news flow. We are consistently human-centric. Never have we been more certain in our beliefs while fervently wishing that we are wrong. A global famine is no joke, and correctly forecasting one would bring no joy. So how much would that affect the United States, though? You know, Not, not that I want anybody to die of hunger anywhere, but I really don't want it to happen here. I think it'll have an enormous effect on the United States. I think it will not be a fatal effect like it will be in other countries. I think you'll see rates of inflation that will, will boggle your mind. And food-related. Crazy prices. Yeah, just insane but, prices of food. But probably enough food. I just can't imagine the United States ever not having enough food. How about crap? Will there be plenty of crap, like stuff in cellophane wrappers at the grocery store I can eat? Oh, probably so, and fast food. Uh, although, you know, there'll be enough food, but if 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 your $150 grocery bill that you could barely afford becomes a $350 grocery bill, people who don't have another $200 will not have enough food. Well, and the $150 grocery bill you started with was 75 two years ago. Right, yeah, so it depends how rich you are, frankly, whether there will be enough food. So who knows what we'll see. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. So I promised something that will change everything. This this is something we have known for quite a while on the Armstrong and Getty show. For years we have known this. Uh, the best example has been during the pandemic, where it uh, became clear that, for instance, people of the left had a, what, 80 times outsized View of the threat of COVID to children. That is correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it explains why we talk past each other on, on so many different issues, because we have such different perceptions of, of uh, you know, the base facts. And YouGov did a poll on a whole bunch of different things of what people 
think is the right percentage and what actually is the right percentage and so many different issues. And this explains policy, uh, why politicians say various things, why we argue the way we do on cable news and talk radio and that sort of thing. For instance, I'll start with this one. What percentage of Americans have a household income over one million? Household income? Household income over a million dollars. You poll the average American, and the average American thinks about 20% of people have a household income over a million dollars. What the hell? The reality is, if you're going to round it, it's 0%. I mean, because if you're going to round it, the closest number to it is 0%. It's like 0.01% or something of households have an income over a million. But because of Bernie and Elizabeth Warren and a variety of other people always talking about as if there are millionaires freaking everywhere not paying their taxes... The average person thinks about 20% of people have an income like that. Another, you know, the, each one of these topics is its own conversation, but it explains so much to me. What percentage of people are transgender? Well, Americans think about 21% of people are transgender. No. Okay, wait a minute. It's actually this too much. It's actually 1%. This doesn't surprise me at all. doesn't surprise me at all. I, wait a minute. Is this from the Babylon Bee? Who could possibly think over 20, over one in five people you're going to run in today is transgender? How the hell would somebody think that? If you just live your life sitting in your house, watching cable news and sitcoms, what would you think? Jeez, not that, but I think you on. would. I think you, you absolutely would. a solid would. polling organization. I will grant you oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Um, have a household income over a half million. People guesstimate about 26%, so about a quarter of people do. It's actually 1%. So when you're talking about taxing the rich and the rich not paying their fair share and all the the millionaires are keeping us down, it's because people think about 20% of households have a million dollars a year and uh, another quarter make over 500,000, when in reality it's 0% and 1%. Right, so they think it's legions of people across the land who are somehow escaping their taxes. They're picturing, I don't know, 40 million hedge fund uh, guys? I don't, wow. I know this one is true because this is the way I grew up, taking in sitcoms and the news of the of the day when I was a kid. I was under the impression that everybody was Jewish in New York City, for instance. There's so many people that are Jewish because, you know, why would there be so much talk of... Of Jewish people on sitcoms. Why would there be so much news about Jews all the time? How many? What percentage of people are Jewish in America? People guess about thirty percent. I can see how you'd take that from uh, from the news. It's actually about two percent. That doesn't surprise me at all because I had that until I was probably twenty five. The first time I ever like looked it up, mm. I was under that impression watching TV my whole life. Well, and Mazel Tov to our Jewish friends. Thanks for listening. What percentage of people are gay and lesbian? People guess about thirty percent. It's really about three percent. Um, 30%. This is another good one. What per- percentage of people are members of a union? You know, if you take in, uh, whether it's politics or news or whatever, you, you're, you way outsized influence of, uh, unions. People guess about 36% of people are in unions. It's really 4%. Yeah, wow. What percentage and of the people- number of unionized Jewish lesbians is practically none. <laughs> what percentage of people are vegan or vegetarian? Well, as much as I hear about it, it must be about a third, one out of three people. Oh, it's 5%. And what percentage of them are a pain in the ass? Ask that. (laughs) I think this one is important. What percentage of people are a military veteran? People guess 40%. In reality, it's 6%.
It's a very small portion of our society that actually joins the military ever. I, I'm, I'm asking the folks listening right now, are you as astounded by these numbers as I am? I'm starting to think it's time to end this experiment in self-governance. How can you govern yourself if you have such wildly, and I mean like insanely distorted views of, of reality and humanity? Well, Good I'm gracious. I know I had a distorted view on several of these. Most of these I had never thought of. But before I got into the business of like really following, you know, uh, the nation closely, I, I was I was in the camp of the big numbers on a lot of these. What percentage of people are black? This is something that you should you should absolutely know because it factors into policy making so much what percentage of people black people guess 41 percent the reality <laughs> the reality is 12 percent right um well and that's probably the most discussed demographic number uh in america sure and the fact that that has escaped the vast majority of people just shows you how much the vast majority of people know, I guess. What percentage of Americans are Muslim? People guess 27%. Reality, 1%. That's just 27 times as high, so not much. These numbers... Now, I have been uh, generous with my commentary. Joe is not. He's a he's an angry person. I don't know if it's because of St. Patrick's Day or whatever. He's lashing out at those of you who had uh, had, uh, had wrong guesses on these numbers. Well, we Irish do enjoy a good scrap. <laughs> but a, a couple of these stand out to me that you're you're just a moron. Well, I don't know. Uh-huh. I wish I wish you'd asked sixteen year old me these questions. What I would have guessed. Well, Although, were they polling children? I was a, an almanac guy. I loved the almanac as a kid. I just freaking right. loved pouring through statistics and and you know learning stuff like this. Thinking, wow, only blank percent of blank are blank. That's amazing to me. What percentage of people live in New York City? Now, you'd think the simple math on this would get you close, but people guess 30%. Oh, gosh. Wait now. When it's no, 3%. No, there's no chance. No. You I can't to, accept this. You, you hang around people who are, who are into the news flow. True. Think about the average human who just watches the New York-centric media and New York-centric TV shows. And never thinks about it any more than that. I mean, you get you get the sense that you know, well, a third of America is New York because that's all they ever talk about, and everybody seems to live there. Yeah, I guess, but surely these people have heard of Los Angeles, for instance, and San Francisco, and perhaps even Chicago. And it would be you don't even have to do any math to realize, oh man, yeah, there are like a bunch of big cities. Well, I just I'm astonished by this. I don't you were you know you did not oversell this. If these numbers can be trusted, and I still say that it's got to be from the Babylon Bee. Uh, <laughs> but if indeed this is legit, I am so astonished i don't know what to do with the information i need to process it i I teased this as it changes everything it changes everything about discussions of policy and 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 uh well everything no wonder we don't agree on things because people are so wrong about so many different things well and no wonder politics is so dumbed down um but like the one on new york city i would i wish they'd just ask people What's the population of the United States? And I'll, I'm guessing the average person is way off. 37. A million billion. <laughs> <laughs> a million billion thousand million. Uh, because if you're going to go with a... I mean, if you're anywhere close to right, you know, if you're anywhere near 300 million, 
Uh, so you think 100 million people live in New York City? Okay. Or maybe you didn't think that. <laughs> what percentage of people are bisexual? See, this doesn't surprise me based on how much it gets talked about. People guess 29%. So people guess dang near a third no. when it's really 4%. No, no. Oh, I guarantee you these numbers about gay and bisexual and stuff like that are correct. Guarantee you that's what people think. If you watch if you watch TV shows at all, yes. at least one out of four or higher people are gay in some way on the TV shows. Right, and there is not a single straight white couple in America. Did they ask that? What percentage of couples in America are straight and white? Oh, boy, I don't know, maybe 2% at most. Probably more like 1%. Um... Now, are you sure this isn't a poll of simpletons or people who well, endured head wounds or, I don't know, four-year-olds? This is sickening. It's shocking. Estimated proportion, it's YouGov again, which is a legit polling organization. Estimated proportions are calculated by averaging uh, answers to the question. They, they average it to the nearest whole percentage to the question. If you had to guess what percentage of American adults, dot, dot, dot. That's what they ask people. Hmm. Um, and then the true numbers come from the U.S. Census Bureau, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, et cetera, et cetera. I think the ones on money are huge for policy in this country. If 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 tw- people think twenty percent of households make over a million dollars, you have a way different view of taxation and the rich and all that different sort of stuff than if you know the real number, which is if you're going to round it, zero percent. <laughs> I mean, just very few people have a household income over a million dollars. I think that if we were to clarify that, that would help people understand that issue. But the depth of the ignorance is so overwhelming. uh, I just I've lost hope. I'm not sure if that was your intent in this segment, but I've lost hope. (laughs) My my intent was to make people hopeless. When you get down to some of the numbers that are closer to right, what percentage of Americans are obese? People guess 56% when it's reality 42%. So that's interesting. People overguess obesity. I'm actually shocked it's only 42%. And I don't know. I've had my eye on that more uh, when I'm out and about. You know, you're at the Walmart, the Target, the wherever you are. And, jeez, uh, we are we are an eaten people. Well, if it's overweight or obese, that number is very, very high. But that's not a bad guesstimate by the American people. What percentage of Americans have at least a college degree? We guess about half when it's really a third. Um, I'm guessing, well, most of the people guessing don't have a college degree, but in their mind, everybody else does. That's kind of interesting. Well, so so think about it this way in terms of the way it drives politics. The average person doesn't have a college degree, doesn't make a half million or a million dollars a year, but thinks everybody else does. Hmm. Thinks lots and lots of people out there do. That, that is certainly fertile ground for the politics of envy, which you get a lot from the left. Or populism in general. Mm-hmm. You know, that the, the idea that you're getting screwed because there are so many rich people out there with college degrees, and they're, they're taking, taking, taking from you. Interesting. Have an advanced degree. People guess... Close to 40%, 37% have an advanced degree. When in reality, it's 12%. Hmm. Um, 
What percentage of Americans are Asian? People guess 29%. It's 6 were they in Chinatown when they were asked? How do? How would you? How would you? I mean, I have lived in some of the most Asian parts of the country, and I would never for a second think there are you know roughly a third of people are Asian. But you're taking the, the people that are answering this question. Most people they're taking in all their information through TV and 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 the discussions that are being had on a regular basis. And they get the perception that, you know, if they talk about all these things so much, there must be half of people must be gay, Asian, black, uh, you know, um, getting screwed by unionized Jewish lesbians, exactly. Getting screwed Mm -hmm. by uh, all the millionaires out there. Wow. I think it's fascinating. Well, and and honestly, the numbers that we've discussed uh, over and over for months about COVID were so mind-bogglingly inaccurate oh my gosh we need to take a break oh yeah. um that i suppose we shouldn't be shocked by how shocking this is yeah <laughs> don't be shocked by how shocking it is and now here's armstrong and getty i was just reading this last year and I'm quoting now from the City Journal, uh, undergarment retailer Victoria's Secret, did I say undergarment? Yes, I did. Okay. Was in crisis. Sales were down. Stores were closing. And activists, having accused the company of everything from transphobia to deforestation, had badly damaged the brand. Executives huddled together and designed an ambitious turnaround plan. They would spin off the company into a separate entity, denounce previous leadership as racist and misogynistic, and adopt a new marketing strategy that would focus on, quote, diversity, equity, and inclusion instead of physical beauty. The change of the company was significant. All the men on the board of directors, with the exception of the CEO, were replaced by women. The Victoria's Secret Angels, women like Heidi Klum, Giselle Bunchin, and Tyra Banks, were fired. A new group of women called the VS Collective was in. The new models were chosen on political grounds, not aesthetic grounds, looks, body, etc. The group included the soccer player and LGBTQIA plus minus RBQ. Megan Rapinoe, plus-size model and body advocate, Paloma Alcelser, whatever that means, and transgender swimsuit model Valentina Sampaio, who was born a biological male. Executives crafted a narrative of explicit political activism. They pointed to changing the world and expand the company's product lines to include up to quintuple XL sizes. That's that's five X's. And Sempaio pledged to use her new position to, quote, raise our vibration and catalyze positive change. You know what? That's funny. I had a note to myself to raise my vibration today, and I've completely forgotten. And now, he... Armstrong and Getty. Mm, I think this will scratch you where you itch if you are, are like-minded with us, and you probably are someone, or you wouldn't be listening to the show. The West's green delusions empowered Putin. While we banned plastic straws, Russia drilled and doubled down on nuclear energy production. How is Vladimir Putin, a man ruling a country with an economy smaller than that of Texas, with an average life expectancy 10 years lower than that of France, 
managed to launch an unprovoked full-scale assault on Ukraine. They go through the whole he wants it more than we want to defend it thing that we've talked about a lot. Then goes on to missing from that explanation, though, is a story about material reality and basic economics, two things that Putin seems to understand far better than his counterparts in the free world, and especially in Europe. Putin knows, for instance, that Europe produces 3.6 million barrels of oil a day, but uses 15 million barrels of oil a day. Almost, what, four times. Putin knows that Europe produces 230 billion cubic meters of natural gas a year, but uses 560. So, twice as much as they produce. He knows that Europe uses 950 million tons of coal, but produces half of that. He also knows that Russia produces 11 million barrels of oil per day, but only uses three. So they produce three, four times what they use. And she goes through some other numbers that are similar on all those things. So that's how Russia ends up supplying 20% of Europe's oil, 40% of their gas. No wonder Secretary of Defense Gates called Russia a gas station with an army, or John McCain, whoever said that. But it's a gas station with, you know... Nuclear weapons. The math is simple. A child could do it. The reason Europe didn't have a muscular deterrent threat to prevent Russia's aggression is that it needs Putin's oil and gas. The question is why? How is it possible that European countries, Germany especially, allowed themselves to become so dependent on an authoritarian country over the 30 years since the end of the Cold War. Here's how. These countries are in the grip of a delusional ideology that makes them incapable of understanding the hard realities of energy production. Green ideology insists that we don't need nuclear and that we don't need fracking. It insists that it's just a matter of will and money to switch to all renewables, and it'll happen fast. Oh, it insists boy. that we need degrowth of the economy and that we're that we face looming human extinction. Barry Weiss says, I would know. I was once myself a true believer. That's why she's so interesting. Uh She was part of that crowd. John Kerry, the United States climate envoy, perfectly captured the myopia of this view earlier this week, or last week, when he said about the Russian invasion of Ukraine, it could have a profound negative impact on the climate, obviously. You have a war, and obviously you're going to have massive emissions consequences to the war. But equally importantly, you're going to lose people's focus. Nobody but him and crazy people were even thinking about climate change. Wow. As Russia bore down on a country of 40-some million people. Yeah, with all due respect, Mr. Secretary, I'm more worried about losing life and limb than my focus signed Ukrainians. As the West fell into a hypnotic trance about healing its relationship with nature, averting climate apocalypse, and worshipping a teenager named Greta... Vladimir Putin was making his moves. While he expanded nuclear energy at home so Russia could export its precious oil and gas to Europe, you see, he went nuclear so that they would use less oil and gas to sell it to the delusional West. This gets back to my thing earlier. Again, I'm pro-democracy. I think they're better in the long run. But the advantage of an autocracy is they can look at reality and think, look at those stupid freaking countries. They're listening to the long-haired master's degree college students on this climate change stuff. We're going to produce more nuclear power, and we're going to sell those idiots their oil and gas because they're still going to need it. They can talk about wind farms all day long, but that ain't going to power their cars and their TVs. So, A, they will enrich us, and B, they'll be on the hook to us. 
While he expanded nuclear energy at home so Russia could export its oil and gas to Europe, Western governments spent their time and energy obsessing over carbon footprints, a term created by an advertising firm that worked for British Petroleum. They banned plastic straws because of a nine-year-old Canadian child science homework. They paid for hours of climate anxiety therapy. Oh, that is so good. Oh, my God, we're soft. Oi. That is climate that. anxiety therapy. Yeah, why are the kids all anxious? Who's been hammering them with with uh, 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 death threats about the environment? You have, you lunatics. The result has been the worst global energy crisis since 1973, driving prices for electricity and gasoline higher around the world. It is a crisis fundamentally fundamentally of inadequate supply, but the scarcity is entirely manufactured. You know, and I could I could skip to see the United States, where we have shut down so much of our production or stopped the uh, the increase of production out of the stuff she's talking about right there. It's so crazy and fascinating. Putin, the cold-hearted realist, thought the world is going to continue to run on fossil fuels for a long time, and he's right, and I'm going to give it to him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Well, and, and more proof that Biden and company don't really care about this stuff. And it was an emailer who pointed it out. I'll give him credit if I can find it. I got a big old stack here. But he points out that uh, if, if Biden had said, yep, we're uh, banning all Russian oil, it's going to drive prices through the roof, uh, but that's what we got to do. Well, that, that would be useful to the climate change crowd. They could say, look, we can't be a slave to Putin and these crazy gas prices. This is proof we need to double down on green and renewable energy. Europe did that intentionally by raising uh, tax rates through the roof to try to get people to stop burning so many fossil fuels. But Biden knew that there would be a political cost to higher gas prices. So he wasn't willing to sacrifice that in the name of Mother Earth. It's just so phony, these politicians. They don't care about this stuff. And and I'm all for green energy, renewable sure. energy, being good to the Earth, cutting down pollution, cutting down carbon emissions. I'm, I'm for all of it. I'm just not for hypocrisy, lies, and phoniness. Thank you very much. Europeans, led by figures like Greta Thunberg and uh, the European Green Party... And, How dare you! ...and leaders like John Kerry... In service to green ideology, they made perfect the enemy of the good and of Ukraine. There's no doubt about that. How dare you? That is really something. And then it was we were talking about earlier the fact that that Putin was funding some of these climate change activists who were, you know, with their advertisements and their marches in the street and all this sort of stuff to try to drive the politics of this. It's unbelievable. It really, really is. You wouldn't think um, big countries could be this stupid.